Everything we need is our theme for today and next week. Everything we need. What do you need? He's not talking about stuff like a new car or a new lawnmower, a new wife or husband. He's talking about spiritual things that we have a need for in our lives. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Powerful verse. Read it with me, please. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It is God's power that has given us everything we need for life and godliness. How do we get it? Through our knowledge of him who has called us. Did you know that God called you to something? He called you by his own glory and goodness. As I was thinking about that passage this week, there are several things that I thought of that we need in our lives and what God has done to meet that need and how Jesus is everything that we need. We talked a little bit about this in past weeks. We needed spiritual life. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It's because of God's love for us, because he was motivated by his mercy, he gave us life in Christ. We needed spiritual life. What did God do? God gives us Jesus. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and this is a testimony. God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life is found where? In his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's like I told you, talked to you about last week. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Okay? The issue is not necessarily whether you prayed a prayer when you were five or six years old or whether you've been baptized or whether uh, uh, you know a bunch of songs. You come to church all the time. The real issue is do you have Jesus? Do you have spiritual life? If you've got him in your life, you have spiritual life. You're no longer dead in sin. You are alive in Christ. And when we trust in Jesus for salvation, we become united to him. And we receive spiritual life from him. We talked a few weeks ago from John chapter 15. Jesus explained to us in terms that we can understand what this involves. And uh, John 15 talks about the fact being connected to Jesus in a dynamic relationship. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you are connected to me, 
you will bear much fruit. And then he said this, without me, you can do nothing. I can't produce spiritual fruit in my own strength any more than an apple tree can produce grapes. And the fact that I've connected to Jesus is evidence of the fact that I have spiritual life, that I'm drawing spiritual life from this dynamic relationship that I have. And that's true of all of us. We need spiritual life. Otherwise, we are dead in our trespasses and our sins, the Bible says. We are alienated from God. And we're without him and we're without hope in this world. Thank God he has given us his son, Jesus. Second thing I thought of that we need, and there are going to be five, three today, two next Sunday. Second thing we need is nourishment. Just like a baby needs to be nourished. Without nourishment, a baby won't make it. And without spiritual nourishment, you and I will crash and burn in our Christian lives. And the casualties are all around us. People crash and burn every day who claim to be Christians. And life is tough. And sometimes people try to make it on their own, and they just kind of think of Jesus as a historical figure that they believe in. They believed in his death. So someday, because they believe in his death for sin, they're going to go to heaven by and by. When they die, and there's not an ongoing dynamic relationship with him, there's no connectivity to him. And they are not nourished. They never crack their Bible during the week. They just live the rest of the week like God doesn't exist. And they may be in church every Sunday, but they don't have that nourishment on a daily, ongoing basis. We need spiritual nourishment, and God gives us his words. We are told in 1 Peter 2, 2, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. There should be that spiritual hunger in our lives for God's words. Like I told you last week, that's one of the signs of spiritual life. That's one of the vital signs that we are alive. We have a hunger. We have a thirst for God's truth. And he talks about in this verse, so that you may grow up in your salvation. Because we begin our spiritual lives as spiritual infants. We need to grow. I think someone who remains a spiritual baby for their whole lives after they come to faith is kind of a tragedy. And God did not save you so that you would remain a spiritual baby that he takes to heaven someday. He saved you that you might grow in your relationship with him and that you might produce fruit in your life because of that relationship. And you might grow not only in your knowledge of him intellectually, but in your knowledge of him experientially. The real issue in my life is not how much do I know. I mean, I've been studying the Bible for years. But you know, unless I have that dynamic relationship with the Lord, I don't produce fruit. 
And that's what the Lord wants to do with my life. So as we think about spiritual growth, let's think of it this way. Spiritual growth is natural. If there is life, there will be growth. One of the things that excites me so much about being around new believers, baby Christians, is their excitement for the truth, their desire to grow in their relationship with God. And you know, that should never go away. I can remember when I went off to be trained for ministry, that's where my wife and I met. And she worked as a secretary on campus after a couple of years. She, she didn't have the desire to graduate with a fancy degree. She got an MRS degree. But she worked on campus as a secretary, and I would go to theology class, and I had a very provocative teacher. He was really a great theology teacher, and he would, he would provoke us to study the truth. And he would make sentences, he would make statements, and then he would say, now I want you to go home tonight, and I want you to either prove or disprove what I just said. I want you to write a paper on this. And, man, that, it took that kind of challenge for me. But I remember coming out of class being so excited, the first place I would go would be to go to her office and tell her what I had just learned. There was that excitement for truth. And I'm glad to tell you that the main reason I'm still a pastor after all these years is because I still have that same excitement for truth. God has been so gracious in giving that to me, and it's never, it's never gone away. Well, sometimes I forget what I've learned. But spiritual growth is natural, and it will happen in our lives. And I don't have to say, well, I'm going to grow today. No. I just have a relationship with Jesus and spend time in his word, and I do grow. Second thing I want you to see about growth is that growth is relative to the assimilation of God's truth. As I take God's truth into my life and apply it, I will grow. Someone has said, you are what you eat. Yeah, you are. And you are what you eat spiritually. If in your life you just kind of feed on all the junk that the world offers out there, and you spend your time focusing on that, you're not going to grow much spiritually. It's as you assimilate God's words and God's truth into your life and you apply it to your life that you grow. And again, it's not primarily an intellectual thing. It's not just, well, I know this is true because God said it. How do I apply it to my life? How do I respond to that truth when the challenges of life come? That's the real issue. Too many Christians live their life in an atmosphere of unapplied truth. I once heard a pastor of a very large church say, you know, he says, I don't delude myself. He says, I have a very large church. There are thousands of people come on Sunday. And I try my best to give them the truth. 
But I know most of them will spill it on the steps on their way out. They won't apply it. May we be people who apply what God teaches us from his word. As you read the Bible every day, and I know many of you do, don't read it for information. Read it for transformation. Say, Lord, what do you want me to know today about you, about myself, about how to live? And then take that as him speaking directly to you, because that's what he's doing. And assimilate it. Take it into your life. Apply it. Most of you know that I've been having a battle with cancer for the last two and a half years. Thank you so much for your prayers. But, you know, I've had to apply truth in a new way. I've known for years that God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I know the scriptures say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But it's entirely a different story to apply it to my life on a daily basis and live my life and make my decisions and let my attitude be based upon what God has promised me. And that challenge is for each one of us. May we be people who assimilate God's truth into our lives and apply it in a personal way. And then third, growth is from within. It's the result of our interaction with God. Sometimes people see spiritual growth as a matter of ritual. If I go through certain religious rituals, if I go to church every Sunday or most Sundays or some Sundays or once in a blue moon, If I go to certain seminars, then I will grow. And I hate to disappoint you, but that's not the way we grow. Growth comes from within. It's not a matter of ritual. It's not the matter it's not a matter of just living according to a list even. Even a biblical list. It's the result of that inner relationship that we have with Jesus and that Growth is a natural thing as we assimilate truth that happens within us and works itself out. It's not a matter of adding externals to my Christian life, even good externals. Spiritual truth is the result of of personal interaction with God. In the introduction to a great book called Knowing God, written by J.I. Packer several generations ago, I can remember when that book first came out. And in the introduction, J.I. Packer talks about walking across a campus with a colleague of his who was a professor and a Christian professor, who was undergoing a lot of criticism, a lot of personal attacks, and frankly, Satan was taking those personal attacks and just trying to do a number on him. And his words to J.I. Packer 
were these words. Never forget them. He says, J.I., it's okay. Because through it, I've come to know God. And they haven't. Knowing God is a matter of personal interaction. God gives us his truth. And we are nourished spiritually when we respond by faith to what he has said. Third thing we need is nurturing. Just like a child, we need to be nurtured spiritually. And God knows that we need nurturing to be spiritually healthy. The word nurture is a word that means to care for someone or something. You can nurture a plant. You see pictures of those people with the little Japanese maples out there with their little scissors trimming them. They're nurturing that plant. Children need to be nurtured, and we care for them, and we nurture them. It means to watch over something or someone. It means to comfort someone. And it means to train someone. The nurturing of our children is just not tucking them in every night and making sure they have enough food to survive. It's a matter of caring for them and training them and how to live life. And we need nurturing as Christians. How does God nurture us? Well, he gives us his presence. He is with us. A child who never has a parent to interact with is not very nurtured. Before I became a pastor, I was a coach. I coached high school, baseball, basketball, and football, the high school in Idaho. We didn't have children yet. We felt motivated to open our home to take in some foster children. God gave us Jack and Sean. When they came to us, I think they were four and five or four and six, something like that. And uh, they had been neglected pretty severely. Dad came home from Vietnam, and he was too messed up from that experience to raise the kids, handed them off to Mom, and she had a number of different people who were, quote, Daddy, um, and basically they grew up for the first few years of their lives in a trailer in a, in a junkyard. We found out pretty quickly they had never been nurtured. The first morning, we heard noise out in the kitchen. And so I staggered into the kitchen to see what was going on, and the kids had climbed up on the cabinet to get the cereal out of the, out of the cupboard because no one ever fixed them breakfast. They were left to fend for themselves. And they had the lack of nurturing in their lives that followed them the rest of their lives. And no matter what people did to try to help them after those first few formative years, they kept making bad decisions because there was a failure to thrive and a failure to connect with, with people who cared for them. And we saw firsthand 
how important nurturing was. God has not left us alone to survive spiritually in this world. In John 1:14, it says, That's why Jesus came. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God knew we needed spiritual nurturing, and He gave us His Son. He sent His Son, Jesus. In Matthew 1, Matthew tells us that these promises were made to Joseph when he announced, the angel announced the birth of Jesus through Mary, that this would fulfill the Old Testament promise that the Messiah would be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus still is. He is God with me. And while he lived his life on this earth, his disciples were nurtured by his presence with them. We're told a number of times in Scripture they were full of fear, and he says, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. I'm here with you. Remember when they were in the boat and the storm came up and they were afraid they were all going to sink? Jesus was asleep in the bow of the boat. He was exhausted from his interaction with people. We're told that uh, he spoke to the storm and he said, Peace, be still. And the storm subsided and went away. They were nurtured. By his presence. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going away, I'm going back to the Father, but my peace I give you. And he told them again in that same discourse that he was going to go back to the Father, but he would send someone to nurture them. And that was his Holy Spirit. He said that when I am gone away, the Comforter will come, and the Comforter won't come until I go away. And he said, you're not going to have to be with me in a boat to be reassured that you're going to be okay. The Holy Spirit will be not only with you, he will be in you. And he was called the Comforter. The one who comes alongside to help us. In John chapter 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be where? In you. I will not leave you. As orphans, I will come to you. How, Lord? Through the Holy Spirit. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am where? 
in you. He will give you another counselor. And the word other counselor in the language of the New Testament, the original language means another of the same kind. Just as I have nurtured you, the Holy Spirit will nurture you. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is called, in other places, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit in each one of us is the presence of God in us and with us. What does that mean? Well, it means when I need help and strength, God is here. When I need help and strength, God is here. Do you ever need help? Do you ever need strength? Do you ever face issues in your life, challenges in your life, that you don't know how in the world you're going to solve the problems or how you're going to get through the issues? Be encouraged. God is here to nurture you. God is in you. He is with you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you strength. Philippians 4, 12 and 13. And I know what it is to be in need, Paul said, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do some things through him who gives me strength. Is that what it says? No. I can do all things. Not in my own strength, but in his strength. And he's not talking about being faster than a speeding bullet or leaping single uh, buildings in a single bound. By the way, that's the old Superman thing. No. It's talking about living the life. Living for the Lord in a world that does not know him nor care about knowing him. He gives us the strength and the help we need to live the life. To face the challenges of this life. When I need help and strength, God is here. When I need comfort, God is here. Do you ever feel the need for comfort? You say, well, hey, I'm all grown up, pastor. I don't need that anymore. anymore. I have a theological word for you. It's the word baloney. <laughs> we all need nurturing. We all need to know that God is with us and to experience only the comfort that he can give loss it's a hard word sometimes loss is financial comes out of the blue we wake up one morning we turn on the TV to see how our stock is doing and we suddenly realize that our 401k is a 201k we have suffered loss we need comfort. We need reassurance that God is here. Sometimes our loss is in our physical health. 
We may experience an accident. We may find that we have some disease that threatens our life. We need comfort. We need God's reassurance. And he is here to give us that reassurance. And that's part of his nurturing. Sometimes that loss is in, this is the tough one, relationships. Relationships. Someone rejects us. Sometimes it's not so much a rejection, but just the fact that people that we love and care about move away. And while we may seem to have a relationship, I'm sorry, but texting and emails just aren't the same. And we feel that loss. We need to experience his comfort. Paul experienced this loss in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He's in prison. He's facing trial. He says, at my first defense, no one came to support me. Can you imagine that? The apostle Paul is alone. He's forsaken. He said, everybody deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side, and he gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And most people think that that lion's mouth is reference to Nero, the Roman emperor. People deserted me, but, I love that word, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. The Lord was there to nurture him and to comfort him. And my friends, when you feel alone and forsaken, God is here for you. So don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to deal with the loss on your own. Run to the Lord for his comfort. And then when I need direction, God is here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will... Direct your path, as some translations say, or he will make your paths straight. Psalm 38, 32, 8, can't read my own writing this morning, says this, I will instruct you and teach you what? In the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. When we face difficult decisions in our life, we don't know which way to turn. The Lord is there to help us and give us direction to nurture us. And because when I need these things, he is there, I have found this, my friends. His presence in my life is all I need.
I don't need wealth to feel secure because his presence nurtures me. I don't need the approval of people to feel secure, to feel loved because his presence in my life nurtures me. I don't need to read a hundred books to be able to make wise decisions. All I need to do is read one. It's amazing the number of how-to books that are in the world. Go to Borders sometime. Borders still in operation? No, they went the way of the Internet, didn't they? Yeah. You don't need to you know, read all the how-to books. You can go to a Christian bookstore. How-to, 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 how-to. Pick up your Bible. Read it on a daily basis. Apply the truth to your life you will find that God will nurture you and that God will direct your life and counsel you in the way you should go. Trust Him to direct you. Because I am a follower of Jesus Christ, because I am connected to Him, because of His death for my sin and because my faith in His sacrifice for me, There is that dynamic relationship of the vine and the branches. I'm alive spiritually. And because there's life, there's fruit. Number two, I can grow spiritually as I take his truth into my life and I assimilate it by faith by believing what God has said and by trusting Him to do what He has said He'll do. Because I'm a follower of Christ, I'm having trouble getting this to advance. Not only am I alive spiritually, Not only can I grow as I assimilate his truth, but third, I can live my life without fear. I can live my life unafraid because I know he is with me. And his presence in my life reassures me and comforts me. Even facing the future, not knowing what I should do is not a fearful thing. Because I know He is with me and He wants to direct me. He doesn't want to keep His will for my life some secret thing that is difficult for me to discover. No. He wants me to know His will. He wants to give me direction. But, you know, I can want his direction and know his will in my life all I want, but if I never go to his truth to discover his will, I'm not going to discover it. I remember when I was finishing up my first phase of education and was trying to decide what to do with my life, and I consulted several spiritual leaders on what I should do. 
one of the questions was, well, are you in the scriptures trying to find God's direction for your life? And are you obeying what you know he wants you to do now? See, sometimes we want to know this big thing way, way out there, but we don't care to know what his will is for today. And my suggestion to you is you're never going to discover his will for you down the road unless you're willing to submit to his will for you today. And because I'm a follower of Jesus and I have a relationship with him, I can know that he is here to give me direction. Takes a lot of the fear out of living. As I live my life in my last years on this world, this planet, and I don't know how many more the Lord's going to give me as I deal with this cancer, but that's no big deal because neither do you know how many you have. I can be as healthy as can be and step off a curb and get run over by a bus. Happens every day. But sometimes, as I live these last years of my life, my fear is not for me. The fear that comes up in my life is fear for my grandkids. What kind of world are they going to have to grow up in? What kind of challenges are they going to face? What kind of challenges to their faith? are they going to face as the world more consistently moves into an anti-God, anti-Christ mentality. But then the Lord comes near and reassures me. And he says, Brad, you remember when you were growing up? You remember the world? You remember the Vietnam War? You remember people shooting cops in the streets and turning over police cars in the streets and burning them in downtown Berkeley? Do you remember those things happening? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, I was with you. I'll be with them. Lord God, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that you haven't left us alone to just try to do the best we can to live for you. But the Lord, you have given us your Son, you've given us your Word, you've given us your Holy Spirit to be here to help us to grow and to nurture us. Lord, help us to learn the difficult lesson of drawing near to you on a daily basis and allowing your life to flow into us, allowing your life to flow through us. We ask this in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.